Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's March 16th. I'm Gavin Pickham with Auto Solutions, and I'm joined by Eric Peterson today. Hey, Gavin. Nice to be back. Yep. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Trying to get a rotation of uh, hosts here to keep you guys interested. But uh, first up, we want to thank our sponsors, <laughs> Auto Solutions. So uh, a few ways to thank our sponsors, uh, to like and subscribe to our Auto youtube channel so we got lots of videos up there if you guys missed this live video you can go watch it on on youtube as well as a lot of other great content um and what are some other ways that can help us out eric well you can head over to cfcast.com and subscribe there cfcast is our video training site where we release new content every week we go over it here on the podcast as well so stay tuned to hear what's coming out this week um, or you can head over and buy Ortis's new books, 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks. That's available on Gumroad, and we'll have the link for you later here in the podcast. Yep. Okay. And then, of course, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. And we got two new Patreon supporters this week. We're up to 36 Patreons Ooh. now, and we're at 79%. So we're getting pretty close to that 100% coverage of this podcast just from Patreon supporters, which is awesome. So uh, we'll tell you a little more about That's that, great. and we'll individually thank them uh, later on the show and tell you a little bit about the perks and why we're getting so many people jumping on the, the bandwagon lately. It's been pretty nice. Okay, so news and events. we got a few uh, releases this week. So the first one is Coldbox 6.3. So uh, Yeah, so minor update here, mostly bug fixes, a little uh, new feature with our REST handler catching some permission denied and for our author authorization systems. But uh, yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. Nothing to do to upgrade. Just make sure your version range in your box.json catches 6.3 and do a update in command yeah. box. So release docs has more information if you want to find about that right there. And we've got a blog post as well, giving some more details. So we'll share that in the show notes. Okay, next up, this one's been waiting for uh, quite a while, but the content box 5.0 beta release is here. So, uh, as Luis puts it, it's a majestic day. Uh, <laughs> we've been working on this for uh, six months now, and we've basically done the biggest uh, architectural shift probably ever in content box. So we've finally yeah. tackled that multi-tenant beast. Right, so you can set when you set up content box now, you can have multiple sites being served from one content box instance, making it perfect for those Mira CMS migrations now that they've gone completely uh, paid. Yep, and so obviously, uh, we're, content box is free and we're going free forever. That's our pledge to you. So, okay, so next up, uh, we also have a doc. Box 3.0 release. So I know Michael Bourne has been working really hard with this one. And so uh, DocBox, for those who don't know, uh, is a way to basically run a process against your code, looks at all your meta, uh, almost is a Javadoc format, basically, and then it spits out um, 
different formats. So we actually have a little API builder. If you've seen our API docs for Coldbox, this is using Docbox. And now we have JSON support. So if you want to do something a little more funky, uh, or what we're using it for is to be able to throw things from our um, documentation straight into like Elasticsearch using the JSON output. So that's right. Additionally, Docbox can now generate multiple outputs at once with different strategies. Cool. So you can generate the HTML and the JSON output at the same time. So, which yep. is very nice rather than having to do that in two separate passes. Yep. And there's a, a little series we're working on um, on CFCast for using Docbox. So expect that in the near future too. Um, we have cool. a couple of webinars coming up. Yeah. First one is an Adobe webinar series. Now, this is not just one webinar, but uh, seven, yeah. seven part series in API creation and management using Cold Fusion's API manager and their RESTful API services. So the first one is a week from tomorrow on March 24th. We will put the link in the show notes and in the chat for you to sign up. Um, the dates range from a couple next week, some in April, some in May. So they're spread out over the next two months. Yep, and um, I'm showing those who are watching the video. Uh, there's quite a few different pieces here. Um, so yeah, spread out a couple of months um, for the next few months. And uh, if you register, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll get reminders for each of them. So uh, we'll talk about them as they come up, but there are quite a lot. So uh, we're not gonna go into too much detail, but we will share the link so you can get that information. So very cool to see that. Uh, I know APIs are a hot topic these days, so uh, it's good that they're getting in there and showing you everything you need to know about it. Okay, next up we have one from Fusion Reactor. Um, so Mikey from Fusion Reactor is gonna be telling you what are the five things you should always check before you release your application. And this is obviously using Fusion Reactor, which we all love here at uh, Auto Solutions. That um, makes our life so much easier. Yes. And so you can register I, for that, and that's going to be March 25th. I took a look at their their bullet points, and their first one was uh, measure your performance baseline, which is so important I to know what your performance is at so you can know if you actually did make something slower or faster rather than just guessing. So Yeah, it's amazing I, how much that happens. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I know that a, a few blog posts later, we're talking about some stuff where, you know, Ben Adele was looking at uh, using custom tags and some speed stuff. And yeah, a lot of times you don't really notice until it's really, really bad. But sometimes you can be given up a lot of performance just from missing those little things that uh, something like Fusion Reactor can make glaringly obvious. So Yes. Okay. Next Maybe. webinar, the day after the Fusion Reactor. One is an Ortis webinar, so Friday, March 26th at 11 a.m. Central. It is Vue.js in my Coldbox app with uh, Esme. So she's going to be going over how to integrate Vue.js into a Coldbox app and in the, the process showing a few of the fundamentals of Vue.js. So this is great for all of you out there that maybe still have some uh, legacy apps that have JavaScript everywhere or jQuery in a ton of places and it feels kind of hard to manage and want to step into this new world of the modern JavaScript frameworks and how to do that without jumping the ship and going straight all 
single page app or whatever that may be. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you that are looking at React or Vue, um, I think Vue just fits so much better with a whole fusion mindset, the way the tags look and behave and the way we're used to coding. So uh, I know everyone loves React, but uh, Vue's pretty Vue's pretty good too. It's just, for me, it was a real simple transition, way easier than I thought it was going to be. So yeah. Uh, Definitely think yeah. that's it's also an easy transition, I think, if you did any of the Angular JS, like the 1.0 Angular days. Um, yeah. View was a great step from there. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, it, for me, it just meshes perfectly with the tag syntax of ColdFusion. But yeah, for sure. And then we have one uh, webinar um, that was ha actually happened last week. So in case you missed it, the online CF meetup. Um, we had David Byers talking about Cold Fusion 101, Intro for Beginners, Devs, Decision Makers, and CEOs. So this is probably, um, you know, a little lower level than most of you out there, um, but he wanted to give a, a real entry level talk to get everyone up to speed and what it is and why it's useful and, and why they might consider using it. So if you're working with someone who doesn't, you know, got some bad ideas of Cold Fusion or has no idea what it is, this would be the good video to show them. And we have that recording up on YouTube. And that's available there as well. And then um, I think there's all of the videos are on recordings.cfonlinemeetup.com. I always get that URL wrong. I'm sure if Charlie's in the chat, he'll, he'll tell us. But uh, they're I can all go available. grab it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, so we'll do that. But uh, all the past ones, uh, most recent ones are all up on YouTube there. So you can find them on Charlie's um, channel there. But there are a lot more that before they started posting YouTube as well. So lots of great content on online CF Meetup. Okay, it's recordings.coldfusionmeetup.com. Yeah, there we go. I'll have to just put that on the show notes for every time, make it easier on myself. <laughs> okay, last we talked earlier about the 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks book that you can buy. It is $29 on Gumroad. We're going to throw the link into the show notes and the chat, uh, but it's also pretty simple. Gum.co slash cold box dash tips. Yep. And so 102 tips. Uh, I think if you go on and you can just, um, I think there was a link somewhere just to get the sample. You get 10 tips for free to have a look at it. forget where that was, but um, yeah, uh, we should have a tweet that we're going to talk about a little later, but Will Bruin said that he's been using Coldbox for decades, uh, and then he still learned a few things reading this book. So it's definitely, um, you know, got some great tips in it, and, you know, you get all the best experience from all the oldest people using it. And so not everything's from Luis. Some of them are from us uh, lower, lower level devs that, uh, you know, <laughs> these tricks might be good for you too, you know. <laughs> us lesser... Lesser cold box gurus. Yep, exactly. We all got to start somewhere, right? So, <laughs> okay. So next up, we have some updates on CFCast. Yes, the Command Box Zero to Hero workshop is still going strong, being released. We have package scripts and interceptions, package dependencies, and forge box this week. Yep. Coming up, there's more, even more Command Box goodness. As well, uh, we will be soon having a new workshop starting to be released, and that is the Up and Running with Quick workshop that we just did this last weekend. Very cool. And then and, uh, 
let's say dark box uh, i think michael was uh working on some videos for that after he released 3.0 so you can get some updates on how to use dark box and uh some of the goodness in that 3.0 release that's right so lots of great stuff coming here on cfcasts yeah very cool okay next up we have conferences and training so we got a few conferences coming up here soon so the next one coming up is ViewConf, Virtual View Love. So that's going to be April 14th online. And there was free swag for the first registrations, but you've missed that boat if you haven't done it yet. So it's hosted by Evan Yu, the creator of View. So it's a, you know, it's a legit um, conference. And they've been doing this for years um, in Europe and in the U.S. Uh, I'm looking pretty forward, forward to this one. Um, I know I filled out the form for the free swag. I don't know if I got it, though. <laughs> I filled out the registration, we'll <laughs> but I didn't get the verification email that I had to go click and then fill out the next one, so that's uh, why I didn't get it. I was too slow. I don't read my emails fast enough these days. So, but uh, that's that, I, that has virtual it. parties and the workshops will be announced soon, um, and there'll be even attendee lightning talks if you want to you know, spill your guts and do some Vue.js talk as well. Okay, we have a couple more conferences coming up as well. So on April 20th and 21st, we have the Redis Conf. And uh, I believe that they're starting to actually make uh, announcements about that now. So uh, if you go to RedisLabs.com slash Redis Conf, you can check out that. And that has uh, information about the conference. And I believe it's a, a free conference. And it's a, yeah, it's a great tool, great product. If you're looking for, you know, NoSQL or caching, uh, that might be the way to go. And then next up, we have Alassian Teams 21, which I think used to be called Alassian Summit. So, so is this all things Jira? Well, I think it's, yeah, just about um, working better with teams and trying to get your, your team working efficiently remotely. And so I'm sure Jira is a part of it, but they've, they've got a whole ton of tools. I mean, it's uh, their, their suite is pretty pretty expansive so i'm sure they'll be going through giving you tips and tricks and just better working from home experience so uh, but that's going to be april 28th through 30th so there's a few days there and i don't think i shared this last time so i'll show my screen um so it's a new one but yeah you know basically having the the different uh different styles um a lot of different things in there so Definitely go check it out. Email for um, you know announcements about it as it gets closer. But um, a lot of good sessions in there. Um, if you want to find out a little more about it, but it definitely is focusing around the team and you know sort of how to how to work together. So okay, okay. Next uh, we have DockerCon May twenty seventh. I believe this is free, just like last year, and uh, we once again can go have our minds melted by all things Docker. Yep. So sign so up. You can pre-register now by going to that web to the docker.com/dockercon. That's too many similar-sounding words in a row, and you can uh, sign up, pre-register there for their DockerCon Live. Yep, I love their stuff. A lot of good content and some crazy advanced stuff too if you really want to dive deep into some of that. Their ninja track will mount your mind, for sure. 
Okay, so we have some Aldus workshops as well. So last week, the Quick Workshop, how'd it go? Well, quick Workshop went excellent. We had, uh, I think, seven or eight people. I have to go back and look at my list. <laughs> but um, we took them, got them up and running, built a blog together, learned some of the details of Quick, answered some awesome questions, did a lot of fun exercises. I had a lot of fun doing it with them. And so I'm looking forward to the next workshop, hopefully, fingers crossed, in person. Um, it was different doing an online workshop, I'll be honest. I didn't, yeah. I couldn't see everybody's face. I couldn't see what they were working on on their computer. It just is different. Yeah. Better in some ways, but not in, as nice in other ways. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely something about walking around and just... You know, because everyone's working through their problems. They don't like to ask for help. They want to figure it out. But sometimes you can see the same error on everyone's screen. You're like, okay, I must have missed something here. Let me explain this for everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely some right. perks to being in person. And, you know, yeah. One thing I noticed, and I guess it's kind of some inside baseball, but I like to walk around and see um, how close everybody is to finishing. And uh, I can't do that online. You know, I don't know if they finished and they you know, didn't click my little Slack emoji. I don't know if they are stuck and need some help. I don't know if they're, you know, working on something for their job because there's an emergency. I, I'm just kind of in the dark. So we just trudge yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you are taking a workshop, communication is, is definitely the key. Um, but yeah, it's great to have uh, that many in the workshop. And I know that uh, I'm definitely wanting to check out the material too touch up and see what I've missed because I know you can always learn something even if you're using it all the time so very yeah. cool so we did record it and uh, we're in the process of editing it getting it ready for CF casts very cool I got some awesome workshop content up there now and getting more all the time so yeah CF cast is just getting better every week okay but we also have some more workshops coming up too we have the command box zero to hero cold box hero zero to hero and then a call box hero to superhero uh, we'll have dates for the for those as we uh, finalize them uh, but we have those planned and yeah and like you said hopefully we'll get some uh, in person everything seems to be rolling out pretty well with the vaccines and everything so life might be getting closer to normal sooner than we thought so okay. yeah which is a great segue into the the next topic talking about ordices conference situation for 2021 um we've talked about doing kind of a more developer week style with multiple days but not jam-packed each day in like september ish yep we also want to cross our fingers and kind of see what happens as we keep getting more good news about um combating this pandemic that maybe some things will be uh, opening up there we can't make any promises but we are watching that yeah. space to see what we might be able to do because we missed you all and we'd love to get together in person yep so we're putting out the call for speakers soon uh we're you know assuming it's online at this point but you know we'll just see what happens maybe we'll have to throw something else together if we you know we can just to get together so at least a uh, lost retreat is well overdue <laughs> but uh we'll see if we can make something good happen there. And then ITB Latam is still planned for December, 2021. Usually that's the first part of December. Um, and again, online at this point, and we'll just go from there. 
And then if you want to find more conferences because there aren't enough for you already or you're <laughs> wanting to listen along while you work, uh, we recommend looking at conf.tech, which is a lot of great stuff in here. Um, so lots of stuff coming in March. You know, If you want to do some Angular or some React or JavaScript, API stuff, there's plenty of stuff in here. Um, so definitely, definitely worth checking that one out, conf.tech. Okay, so let's get into our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And first up, we got one from Ben Adele talking about considering two-step ColdFusion custom tags that generate CFML code in Lucy. So did you dive into this one? He's getting a little complicated because of the, the performance issues that he had with that CF input tag, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's some there's some performance hits if you've been following along with Ben creating his uh, HTML email custom tag library. There's some performance hits with the CF import calls. And he was trying to um, to address those. And one idea that he's experimenting with here is having some tags that are compiled once and some tags that are evaluated at runtime. And it, it gets fairly technical. I'm not going to try to explain any more over the podcast because that's not exactly He has a video. Radio. <laughs> so, yeah. He does have a video. <laughs> um, but basically, this is now doing a two-pass system where the first time you go through ColdFusion compiles some of the code down so that subsequent requests are faster. And um, he has an example at the end where it's going down from about 85 milliseconds to 10. So it definitely adds to the complexity, but when you're hitting file performance, especially he mentions in Docker, um, you got to look for different solutions. So I believe the last thing he said is he's going to leave the old uh, custom tag DSL in a repo in the repo it's at and use a new repo to kind of go down this path to see where he gets to. Okay. Um, but for those of you that are, that have ideas, uh, his biggest drive is that he does not want to compile beforehand, no, beforehand, no ahead of time compilation, no installing Ruby or know to do the compilation for him. He wants it all cold fusion. So I don't know if that uh, uh, excludes command box doing the compilation. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think he does want to not have to run like any sort of command line compile step, which is, you know, understandable given cold fusion. We don't have to do that when we're running yeah. our content. But so. I mean, if you are do packaging it up for Docker, I mean, yeah, it depends if you're building the image with the files included or are you just linking out for local development, I guess. But yeah, yeah, does make a difference. And then, yeah, check out with Docker with the IO because it just depends on what you're doing too. I know like the Mac drivers are non-existent or terrible and, you know, there's certain drivers that are better depending how you're using them too. So um, there's also certain settings that you can, you can do when you're mounting volumes to say whether you like what kind of, um, read write situation you need things like that so yeah. docker is a crazy land with lots of settings <laughs> yep for sure okay so as we mentioned earlier uh wilderburn tweeted about being a long time cold box user he's used it since version 2.5 but he said he still found uh you know new info and more than 40 tips so that's pretty good so 40 percent of that was new to him even though he's been using it forever so 
That's uh, that's pretty impressive. I wonder, version 2.5, how many years ago that was? Because Pillbox is going to be 15 this year. So 2.5, and we're up to, what, 6.3? That might have been, you know, 10 years since Will's been using this. So when, cool. when were modules added? Was that 4? Um, I think we went to the modular architecture in 4. Yeah, that was, that was the change. first time... I heard about cold talks. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 3.8 to 4 is a pretty big jump. But, uh, so yes, a lot of good content in there. Glad you're enjoying it, Phil. Um, glad you're enjoying the book, and thanks for buying it and supporting it. Okay, we'll also had a, a blog post about pinning the exact version of Lucy in Command Box. And so... I followed this on the uh, the Slack channel. It was it was like watching a I don't know some sort of TV show soap opera I don't know yeah. it wasn't that that bad but like, <laughs> it was there was uh, some interesting detective work going here. Okay, well, you want to tell us a little more about it then? Yeah, so if when using Command Box, you can start a server on any version of any of the supported uh, CFML engines. And it's recommended to put in a range that you're comfortable with, just like with the semantic version package. A lot of people like to pin it to an exact version so that their server never upgrades underneath them. Um, for instance, especially if you're using Docker, if yeah. you have a flexible range for your servers, say you just say start Lucy at five, then when Lucy puts out a new patch release, when they put out a new minor release even, you're upgrading whenever your new, um, whenever Docker decides to, you know, the swarm rebalances and puts a new container out there or a new pod if you're using Kubernetes. So that can be kind of unexpected. Um, and so a lot of people will pin their versions so that that doesn't happen. So what, hap what happened in this case is uh, a client of Will's, uh, their server still updated. It went from the build release of, I, I can't remember, I think it was .47 to .48. Uh, 47 to 48, and, and the issue ended up being a build number is a plus at the end of the version string, not a dot. So in their mm. their server, it had a 5.3.7.47, and so Command Box would take that, parse it, and it would throw away the .47 because that's nothing in semantic version. Gotcha. So they, when they replaced it with a plus, it locked fine and it didn't update. Um, so that's your, that's the moral. Of the story is the build numbers is a plus. Yeah. Wow. And also where to look. There's some where to look in the command box starting logs to see if it's using an exact version, or if it's checking ForgeBox for the latest and greatest. Yeah, because it definitely slows it down when it does that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that'll be annoying. I hate those little one character things that waste an afternoon, right? Right. <laughs> I think that's exactly you. what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, took an afternoon away. You know, there was some downtime from it. Like, not a fun way to discover that you need a plus instead of a dot there for the build number. Uh, programmer's life, man. Every character counts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We also have a blog post from Charlie, and this is actually something I 
forgot to put in the news I was supposed to, but uh, Rexchief, the Cold Fusion product manager, um, is basically moving on. So he's found a, an interesting opportunity outside of Adobe, and he's going to be taking that. So he will no longer be the the Cold Fusion product manager. And so in this blog post, Charlie, you know, talks about you know basically what he said, and then um, you know sort of reminisce about some of the past product managers in their 10 years and so Rick Sheep has been there for almost 10 years I mean he's seen CF10, 11, 2016, 2018 and now 2021 he's been there a long time and so Charlie's trying to fill up this little calendar here of uh, you know obviously we had uh, Adam Lehman and J Jason Delmore, Tim Bluntle, Dave Gruber, Adam Berry, maybe Phil Costa so they're trying to figure out who was who but it's uh yeah I hadn't even heard of a couple of these, to be honest. I knew about Adam Lehman and then obviously Rex Sheaf, but uh, in the early days, I just, yeah, didn't really know. So he talked a little bit about, you know, their history, what they have to do, um, you know, and basically, yeah, just just the whole experience. So if you want to learn a little, little bit more about it, that's a pretty cool blog post. And yeah, hopefully we get a, a new replacement soon and there is gung-ho and, um, you know, can really help the community keep driving Adobe Cold Fusion forward. You know how I like to make you and everybody else feel old about Cold Fusion? Yeah. Um, you, you, I got into Cold Fusion after Rackchief had already taken the mm -hmm. reins, so I don't know any of these other people. <laughs> yep. I, I knew that much, because you're a young blood. <laughs> uh, too funny. Yep. I think, what, I think you came... After CF11, or maybe CF11 was in, you'd start because you had 2016 uh, wasn't the, out the yet. The place I went in, the place I started work had CF10, and we were upgrading to CF11 when I got there. Yep. Yeah. So Eric doesn't know the pain of you know before I member don't. functions and a lot of different things. So. Me member functions were CF11, so I do know that pain. But yeah. like closures, they were always there. Things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Always had CF script. Yeah, that was probably the big I'm, one. I'm yeah. waiting for everybody to blast me in the comments for all this, but I, I, I enjoy teasing everybody about how long they've been doing Cold Fusion. <laughs> yeah. Mean. Okay, we also had a blog post from Michael Bourne about Dropbox 3. We mentioned earlier that that is being released. And now we have another one from Ben Adele. So let's jump into this one here. Yeah, so um, this is, again, something he learned doing his his tag, custom tag emails. He's using the git based tag list function, which I didn't know was a thing, um, but I guess it helps him find out what tag he's in and what called it to do some processing. And between Adobe and Lucy, if you, there's, I guess there's three different ways to use a custom tag, um, CF module, the CF underscore prefix, and then importing it with CF import. And the CF module approach is different between Lucy and Adobe and does not provide kind of what he was expecting. So hmm. seems like the CF module tag is better for encapsulating templates rather than like this custom tag approach. I know we use it in the, I think in our view renderer to encapsulate views from each other. So yeah kind of thing you wouldn't uh, necessarily expect to get into, but when you're using custom tags like this, you find all sorts of weirdness. 
Yep, and there's, there's definitely some differences between the engines, but if it's something that people don't use very often, then the, the just differences just don't come up to the surface. And then at the end, Lucy has to figure out, do I want to make myself compatible or not? And usually they do. They do want to be considerate, you know, and be compatible where, where it makes sense. But sometimes they say no, and sometimes like that, they might not even know there is a difference. So um, Ben's been pretty good about filing, uh, you know, bugs and tags. Uh, and, man, yeah, maybe they'll update it. So, But uh, speaking about old... Uh, old heads working at Adobe. Um, we got an update from Ray Camden that he is working for Adobe again. So uh, obviously Ray was a big Cold Fusion um, expert for a long time, did a lot of blogging. He still does, but these days working on other things. And he's working in Adobe, but not with Cold Fusion. Uh, he was um, he left here Technologies, and today he's working as a senior developer and evangelist for Adobe, focusing on their document services APIs. So, if you're doing anything with document services, uh, you may see Ray's blogging about this. He's been doing it for a little while, um, and he also talks a little bit about you know working PDFs back in Cold Fusion. Uh, he said he may write a few blog posts just to show how to interact with these via Cold Fusion, but it will be with Java. So. Just to let you know, he's back in the Adobe world, but it is not for Cold Fusion. So, do you, I mean, you know who Ray is, but not he never did any Cold Fusion stuff while you were around, did he? He he had some. He some. he left after the first few years I started. We okay. used plenty of his blog posts and our learning. So, cool, cool. Okay, we mentioned Redis Comp earlier, and so this one looks like a blog from Ben Nadell about Redis and. Let's see here. Yeah, um, this is another one with a video, thank goodness, because, mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't a criticism, but, like, Ben's get very technical, and sometimes that hurts my brain, <laughs> especially when I haven't used Redis as much as some other things. Have you? No, I haven't used it a whole lot. We use Couchbase major for the majority. Uh, I know Redis is now, you know, working with Adobe as a cache option, uh, and we have the Lucy extension for Redis, so we're using it a little bit more, but no, not really. I just haven't had the chance. So they're using Redis as a way to say um, pro do long processing tasks. So when one of the Cold Fusion instances, and they're running many across um, a, Kubernetes, a Kubernetes, I don't know, cluster. I don't know what you call it. Kind of like a Docker swarm. That's what I'm familiar with. <laughs> um, and so they'll have one of their instances uh, lock a key in Redis in order to kind of communicate to the rest of the members, the pods that, hey, I'm the one working on this, you should not. Um, the issue is being Docker, those pods can be canceled, rebalanced, taken down, recreated at any time. And if that happens in the middle of this lock, they had to wait until the timeout expired in order for another pod to take up that work. And so the question was, we know this task is going to take a long time, but how do we keep the timeout short in case it gets killed? So that's what his blog post goes into. And this one, and I think there's a second one right after this, they're kind of uh, tied together. Look at two different approaches for doing that. One inside the work and one hitting Redis uh, from a thread. So they are part one and part two kind of yep 
Yeah, Ben's usually got a pretty good series, and he's usually really good about linking between them. You can see the link here in the, the main part for those watching. And this one has a video too, so that's even better. But yeah, dealing with threads and stuff, you always have to have a video. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so pretty cool. Um, thanks, Ben, for sharing. It's one of those one of those things. I think we're using um, RabbitMQ for a lot of this stuff, but yeah, it's. And speaking of RabbitMQ, we got that up next, right? So we do. Brad, yeah. So Brad uh, is um, posted on his personal blog about detecting if a user is online with RabbitMQ and WebStomp. Um, so we've been working with RabbitMQ and this WebStomp plugin to get WebSockets working for several projects. Um, it's using a pretty cool little library, the JS library in the browser. They connect to ColdFusion, and Brad's actually created a special proxy in Coldbox. So basically, through WebSockets, you can do Coldbox events, and it returns the results. Uh, it's pretty cool. And so he walks through using it to detect if the user is online or not. So Yeah, so one thing that we have with the web, when you ask for a WebSocket connection is Rabbit can call out to a an endpoint kind of to secure and make sure that user is allowed to connect and listen to that um, that WebSocket channel. And what that also gets us is we can then ask Rabbit itself, hey, do you have a connection for this username that they've passed through? And that way our application, which is doing some processing and then sending out a bunch of WebSocket messages, can first ask, hey, is this person still connected? And if not, I can just skip sending this, right? I don't have to send out this data to them. So. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's working really well. Um, we've got it all tied into our CB security with our JWT. So all our tokens and everything are working seamlessly across there. So yeah, really enjoying that one. It's uh, it's doing pretty neat. WebSockets is pretty cool. So yeah, that took care of it. Um, and yeah, the RabbitMQ is uh, definitely good for managing those queues and everything. So. Okay, so we also mentioned earlier we have a uh, content box 5.0. The beta was released, so we talked about that a little bit before, so we'll skip through that one. But we have a, a non-technical blog post from Ben Adele as well, so let's jump into that one. So every customer facing core should have an engineer on it. Now that's a, uh, I've heard that before. I've heard people, you know, you know, basically say that, you know, sales marketing you know support like really if they're dealing with a customer facing team like that they really should have someone who knows what they're talking about i don't know how many times i've come into a project for when i work for smaller companies where they're like here this is what we you know this is what we build them basically this is what we you know quoted them and like they're basically would promise the world and they have no idea that we couldn't do it or shouldn't do it or <laughs> and so yeah i mean the same thing kind of probably applies with support and so you know ben says he thinks it'll never happen but he you know he wants to say that this his company and his team and his company you know they want to make company customer empathy or intelligent urgency all those things uh, you know a big part of you know why they want to be part of that process and so you know sort of just walks through and you know read the bullet points it will make our customers feel more heard it'll help our engineers see customers as real people it'll help us capture moments of insight and inspiration it will allow for real-time discussions about technical feasibility 
That's a big one. And then customers, the ultimate palette cleanser. And so, yeah, I don't know how many times we have that project manager in the middle and, you know, and basically it's like Chinese whispers or, or whatever the appropriate term would be for that. Uh, I don't know. New Zealand, that's what we used to call it. So, but, you know, like one, you know, he said, she said, and no one, you know, the message never gets through. Right. So sometimes you're like, got to cut that middleman out and, and hear from the customer themselves. So, yeah, I, I like this obviously on every support call on a big company might be pretty tough, but yeah. So right. he, he mentioned that, like, he didn't know what every meant, like how many that was, yeah. but, but the idea stands that there, that his point of their calls will be more um, meaningful and more impactful with an engineer on it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, you probably get the same thing when you call your, you know, truck tech support for something, you get routed to five different people before somebody actually knows what you're talking about. And so, yeah, same, same type of thing. I know that they need to triage stuff. That makes sense, but yeah, it's, it's a good idea. I mean, I, I like the, you know, the one thing with Audis is, you know, we have project managers to help manage the project, but our consultants, like, you know, we're, we're in there talking to the customer. We're getting it directly from the customer because a lot of times that's where you get the most value is, you know, they have a, a problem and you can help them find the solution. And, you know, so if someone doesn't understand the tools you have, they can't help the customer find a solution. And so, yeah, pretty nice. Uh, I like what Ben goes a little, you know, uh, I guess soft topics, shall we say. I like those blog posts a lot. Okay, last but not least, we have that blog post for Coldbox 6.3.0 release. So that there is all the information you need to know about why you should be upgrading to 6.3. Oh, that was a lot. A lot of content this a lot week. Of news. Yep. Good news. Okay. Should so we talk about jobs? Yeah, so more good news. If you're looking for a job, we got nine new postings this week. Right. I'm not going to list out all of them, especially because one looks like it's in German, and I don't speak German. Um, oh. But there is a job there. Is that That's Munich, right? Yep. Munich in German? Okay. Yep. There's one in Munich. There's a couple in Alexandria, Delhi, India, um, a couple in India, across Bangalore, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka. Karnataka, I think. And yeah. yeah, so nine jobs across those places. It's a good week to be looking for a job in CFML. GetCFMLJobs.com has 62 positions from 37 companies across 42 locations in five countries. Yeah, a lot of good content. Uh, and yeah, I like to see more and more people seem to be using it. Remember, if you're if you're wanting to post a job as well, you can do it for free. Uh, and if you do post to other places like Indeed, etc., the site does go out and scrape any Confusion jobs and puts it in there. So that's why sometimes you might see one that looks like a duplicate. A lot of times I'll post it on multiple sites and it doesn't know the difference. So, but yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good jobs there. So if you're looking, hopefully that'll help you find the next good job for you. Okay. So next up we have, whoops, wrong button. Our Forgebox module of the week. So this is a, a new one on Forgebox and Matthew Clemente, busy man, um, rocked out a new uh, API wrapper. And so this one here is actually user stack CFC. And so um, 
basically what UserStack does is it uses um, an API to look up and pass user agent strings. So, so yeah, this one is free for up to 10,000 lookups per month, but there is a caveat. You'll have to manually override the HTTP URL. Instead of being uh, HTTPS, the free one only allows you to use HTTP. So I don't know if they're just doing that to make it worth upgrading to get the more secure version. <laughs> um, but that's one of the things you mentioned. But yeah, it's nice little, nice little simple API to better pass those user agents. And so he's got some good examples here. And so he does mention about the HTTPS note right there as well. Um, but yeah, the access key is free. So pretty nice. Do you know if Matt built this on one of his videos? I mostly would just love to know what he's needing user agent sniffing for nowadays. Because yeah. I know it was used a lot before um, to do like, can I use this JavaScript, um, you know, this browser library, the, things like that. Nowadays, it seems to be other ways to do that or providing polyfills. So I was just curious what he's using this for. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. Maybe analytics. But, yeah, I was going to say that's probably the, the big thing is analytics. And a lot of people like to do their own analytics. Um, yeah. But, you yeah, don't get I, blocked if you do your own analytics. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I didn't see a video for this one posted. If he did, uh, I just did not see it this week. So, but yeah, so a nice little one. If you, if you do need to use some passing, uh, check that out. I think most tools like you say these days are, have a lot of that built in. Um, I know Sentry breaks it down pretty good for those types of things for you. Okay, so next up we have our VS Code, hints, tips, and tricks of the week. And this is one that you recommended we take a little closer look at. So for for Git lands, we've talked about it before, which is a way to supercharge all your Git capabilities into VS Code. Um, and so one of the items, though, inside of that is a pretty cool feature. So you want to tell us a little bit more about this one? Yeah. So first off, if you don't have Git lands installed, um, I assume you just aren't using Git because it's pretty incredible. Um, if you, uh, it gives you like per line blames, which always blames me when there's a problem. But that's you know that's the feature, not a bug. Um, so the one this week, um, I found out about their rebase editor. So uh, specifically their interactive rebase editor. So that is, you can take a branch that you're working on and give it a point in the past and say, hey, I want to um, I want to change this history, basically. You know, this is before you've pushed it up to uh, a remote somewhere. And you can choose certain commits to keep. You can drop some. You can combine them. You can edit or reword. You can even reorder the order they went in. Um, this was just indispensable for me as I was creating our quick workshop because I wanted the history to be um, pristine, exact, make sense so that somebody could go into our, our workshop companion repo and see all the steps without having to kind of get around and guess what I was trying to do. Um, and when I've gotten all the way to the end and realized I made a typo back in step six, this is important. <laughs> um, 
Yep. And it, it's so nice. I, I hope you can show your screen here, Gavin. Yeah, um, I did. I had him walking through that little uh, animated GIF there so everyone could see just how awesome it is. So I've used like the built-in Git interactive rebase, which lets you just kind of change the text. One thing I didn't realize until this is that you can reorder commits. I had no idea. Yeah, um, and neither. it makes sense in the Git editor, you would just like cut the line and paste it somewhere else. But that didn't, I didn't think about that. And yeah, that was helpful. So I could go to a branch, put in the fix, like in the history, and then rebase it to put it back and uh, fix up, I think was the term, which just means, hey, this commit should be part of the last one, but don't worry about commit messages. Just use the last commit message. Yeah. So it's yeah, super definitely, nice. Definitely a great tool. Built in. Yeah, built into Git Lens. Again, just go install Git Lens in VS Code if you haven't. It's a it's a must install for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't even use half the things it can do. I mean, it does so much. And like I said, I've never <laughs> seen that one before, but I'm just showing my screen right now um, for those watching. And just, yeah, the revision navigation. I mean, there's so many different steps as you talk about current line blame. Um, but yeah, there's just so much stuff. I mean, you can scroll down, look at the animated GIFs and read it all, but it's such a, I mean, this is like 50 extensions in one, really. It's really, yeah, really detailed. One, one neat thing that you, you can do um, to get this is so Git lets you set a editor that it calls when you're ready to commit code, right? And most of the time, the default is something like Vim or Nano which might be when you're like kicked out there and you're like, oh no, <laughs> I'm in Vim again. But you can set that editor and there's a command in this interactive rebase editor section. You can set it to code. And that way, anytime you rebase for the command line, it will pop up this rebase editor inside VS Code. Mm, so That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of people like doing command line stuff, but you know, it's nice to have a little UI sometimes, especially the way this UI looks and feels. It looked pretty awesome. Yeah, especially for rebase. Yeah, I'm, I use Git from the command line for most things, but when I need to do something tricky, like I want I want a UI. <laughs> yeah, for so. sure. Very, very cool. So yeah, that's one thing with the, the workshop. The main reason I, I haven't done it the way you did was because of like, oh, whoops, I, I did a typo like 18 commits ago, like, you know, stuff like that. Or you decide to change something in your plan and it can be really hard to set up. I mean, I mean, those yeah, of you who don't know, I mean, making a workshop is a lot more work than you think, getting all the code and stuff ready and samples <laughs> and yeah, so. Yeah, it, it still was work. I remember getting to the end and realizing that I had called, displayed some data that I wanted. I think I had email instead of full name. Um, yeah back on like step three and so it wasn't no work to go back and change it and rebase everything but it was possible <laughs> because of some good tools like this yeah very cool okay well that's a really cool extension i have it but i might have to start using that feature so very cool thanks for sharing eric mm -hmm. okay so next up we have a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. And so we have two new supporters this week. We have Jeffrey McGee, who is part of Sunstar Media. And then we have Stephanie Mongi. Mongi? I always get that name wrong. Um, Stephanie's um, one of our Salvadorian artist workers, and she uh, does a great job. And that's kind of cool that she's reaching back out and you know supporting artists as well. So, so yeah, so very cool. 
And again, because of that, we're now up to almost 80%. It's kind of crazy that we have 80% of this podcast, you know, funded by Patreon supporters. And don't worry, once we get to 100%, uh, that just means more of your money is going to things like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, all the servers for our cloud infrastructure for Forge Box, Package Management. There's plenty more that we're, we're doing, and Audis is helping us with all of that. So, um, I feel like we need a, uh, I don't know, when, when we're almost at 100% on our goal, I have a kid in kindergarten, so all I can think of is we should have like a pizza party or something. <laughs> but we need to celebrate. <laughs> hey, we're almost so. up to episode 100. We can uh, maybe make that goal for 100. We can Ooh, have a wait, what episode are we on? 95. Five episodes to get to 100% funding. You heard it here, folks. Let's do it. Yep, and remember, if you guys are watching at home, if you're just a $10 supporter, you're a box supporter, it's cool, we appreciate you. But if you get up to that bronze level, you get a few extra perks. And that's why we've got a big jump lately, because a lot of people are paying for Forgebox Pro, or they're paying for CFCast. And so now we made it where if you pay that bronze supporter $50 per month, you get a free Forgebox Pro subscription, and you get a paid subscription on CFCast. So uh, it's definitely a, a big plus there. So if you can, uh, you know... If you're thinking about supporting us on CFCast or something like that, um, by going Patreon, you can do both at the same time. So, as I said, it's 36 Patreons, um, but there are more levels too if you want to, you know, if you got a few extra dollars to spend. These are more for corporate style, um, you know, supporters. But this $50 supporter package is a great deal. You guys get a couple of great subscriptions and it helps uh, with everything in this podcast included. So,. Um, for those of you doing that and taking your hard-earned money and supporting us, we really thank you. It does mean a lot to us, so thank you so much. So, oh, All right. a couple more perks I forgot. On top of the Forgebox Pro and that CFCast subscription, you also get a private forum um, on the community website, the oldest community site. Um, so you have your own little private access forum there, and you get a special badge. So you get a little profile badge when you're on the community website too. So uh, if you haven't got those yet, just email us and we'll get those attached to your account. But um, yeah, so a couple little perks there. So, uh, and that's for all Patreon supporters. So you don't have to uh, go to the bronze package to get those, those perks there. So, yep. Okay, well, Eric, you wanna run through the names? Let's do it. A big thank you to Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Parrott, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee with Sunsar Media, John Wilson with Synatrix, Yogesh Mathur, Joseph Lamery, Ben Nadell, Brett Deline, Carl Van Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Didier Lesnicki, Edgarzo Cabezas, Jan Janik, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Leon Saramelis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Stephanie Monge, Stephen Klotz. Thank you so much for supporting Order Solutions and this podcast. Yeah, we might have to implement the the perk, one of the perks on there was if, if you get to a certain level, then we read your name on the podcast. But since we didn't have that many, we've been reading everybody's, but we might have to implement that because this list is getting long. But, uh, we'll, yes, it is. <laughs> we'll have to 
we'll, we'll keep plugging along. We want to thank you guys, and it means a lot to us. So a little recognition, you know, hopefully can uh, fill the fill the gap there. But we definitely appreciate each and every one of you um, for supporting us and those who support us in other ways through pull requests and, you know, bugs that you log. Uh, it all means something to us. And obviously those watching and listening to the podcast, thank you as well. We appreciate you. And yeah, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you later. Have a good one, everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.